My Wax Museum is a proud member of the Creative Grapevine. Hey, real quick before we get into today's show with my guest Noah Burt, I wanted to mention that My Wax Museum would love to have a review from you. If you want to leave us a review, you can go to ratethispodcast.com slash wax. That's ratethispodcast.com slash wax to leave a review wherever it's most convenient for you. Now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of My Wax Museum. I'm your host, Alex Williams, and today I'm joined by my roommate, Noah Burt. He's one of my newest roommates, and he's creative and hardworking. I love getting new roommates because it gives me people to interview, but probably, actually, well, definitely, more importantly, it gives me opportunities to listen and learn. And remember, after today's show, make just five minutes to listen intently to the people around you. Noah Burt, welcome to My Wax Museum. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, so this is kind of interesting. This is the first, like I was saying, first in-person interview that I've done in a little while. Pretty convenient and really only happens because of how we know each other. So if you'd like to jump in and explain to everybody how we know each other. Yes. Yeah, so I actually, uh, me and Alex are actually roommates here in Idaho. Uh, I actually just moved up from Southern California. Uh, I did not have a very good housing situation at the time. So uh, once when the coronavirus stimulus check came in, uh, the first thing I did was buy myself an apartment up here in Idaho. And uh, and yeah, you, you got here and uh, yeah, we've been roommates ever since. Wow. <laughs> um, and so I, I'm curious. So you moved here from Southern California. Are you from Southern California originally? Yes. So to be more specific about Southern California, I grew up in Orange County. Um, and in Orange County, I was from a smaller city called Brea. Um, it's strange since um, I've been to different parts of the country. And whenever people ask me and I tell them, they always like, oh, like the mall. Apparently the mall in Brea, California is a lot bigger than I thought. <laughs> so yeah, whenever they either get one of two responses, either go like, oh, love Brea, where then I have to explain to them, no, those are tar pits. Or then they, or they tell me, oh, like the mall. It's a weird, it's a weird phenomenon that happens. Interesting. Okay. So you're from Brea in Southern California. Have you lived there your whole life? Yeah. Um, I lived there my whole life. I did spend a couple years living in Colorado as well. Um, I moved around there to a couple of different parts. I've lived in places like Aurora, Brighton, Denver. Um, I'd have to say I have all my places in Colorado I lived in. My favorite place to live in was Arvada. I think it was a beautiful little city. And so, okay, tell me a little bit. Um, we're going to kind of go through a bit narratively and get to when you're in Colorado um, and hear more about that. But um, in, in Brea, what is there to do? What is it like? So Brea is really just a very uh, suburban city. It's got a population of about forty to 50,000 people. Um, so there isn't really much to do inside the city. There's a lot more to do all around because you're about 15 minutes from, away from Disneyland. You're an hour from L.A., but that's with traffic. You're 20 minutes from the beach. 
two hours from the closest mountain. So there's lots of things that you can do around Brea, but there's not much you can really do in Brea. Okay, interesting. So did you go, like, did you grow up going and doing those things around Brea? Oh, yeah. I, I grew up and did, like, all those things. Like, I went to Disneyland when I was younger a lot. Um, LA is definitely a great place to go to. There's the super cool garment district there where they've got all these uh, shops that have more or less... Uh, uh, knockoff items there, the way you can go and buy, where, you know, instead of it saying coach, it says conch. <laughs> Stuff like that. So there's plenty of really cool things to do around there. Interesting. Okay, and what what was your favorite? I would say my favorite thing that I liked to do was probably going to a an amusement park there called Knott's Berry Farm. Have you ever heard of boysenberries? So Knott's Berry Farm is the inventor of the boysenberry. Really? Yes. Okay, and now it's an amusement park? Yes. Okay, explain that a little bit. So there's a whole history with it. Like it was back when it was a berry farm, um, the inventor, um, Knott Boysen uh, was his name. And he crossed uh, a couple of different berries. I can't remember all the different ones. And he invented the boysenberry. A couple years later, he then, they still had the farm running, but then they had opened up some attractions along because people like to see where the boysenberry was from. Uh, And then later on, when he passed away, his family ended up selling the farm entirely. Um, and so now I believe it's a subsidiary to, um, the peanuts. So like when I say the peanuts, I mean like the show, the, like, like, like Charlie, like Charlie. Okay. Brown. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So like their, like their mascot is Snoopy. Um, really? Yeah. And so I could be completely wrong about that, but that is what the history is like. And so they no longer grow boysenberries anymore. Yeah. But they are still the, the farm is still the inventor of the boysenberry. They had copyrights on it, but now other farms are allowed to grow it. Interesting. That is so fascinating. Um, yeah, I, I've heard a little bit about like the, the creation of different crops and stuff and, and the different laws around it. And it's very interesting. Yeah. Um, I didn't know. And that's so strange that like the place where boysenberries were invented is now an amusement park. So what is there to do there? So there's like a bunch of different rides. Um, They have like different themes. Like there's one where it's Western themed, one where it's California themed. There's another part where it's futuristic themed. Um, But my favorite part of it is when it comes around to uh, October. Um, Right around September 20th to October 31st, they close the park at 5 or 6 p.m., one of those two times, and then they reopen it at 8 p.m., from 8 p.m. to 3 a.m., they have the park renamed as Not Scary Farm, where they have completely redone the park to do tons of horror mazes, and it's so much fun because they have like real, they have like live actors there um, where they just run around scare people. It's a super cool. It's not like it's not. It's definitely not a family themed uh, scary um, park. It when it closed when it opens back up at eight. It's, it's for adults. Yeah, it's an adult kind of thing. You don't bring anyone under the age of fourteen there. Okay, okay. So, are you a Halloween guy? Like, is that your? Oh yeah, I, I definitely love Halloween. I think Halloween is a great. Um, is probably one of my favorite holidays. Okay. Uh, just because I love like the. I really like horror movies and I like different um, scary aspects to it. I like the theme, um, but I would say it's kind of a toss up between just Halloween and just fall in general. I just like the the feeling to fall. Okay, yeah. So that's that's interesting and that makes sense because the other day when you baked those cookies, 
we were talking about how they have a fallish kind of taste and yeah. and uh yeah so what is it about the fall that kind of draws you in uh it's the warmth of it i would say um which is strange to say because summer is the the warm time <laughs> but there's a different kind of warmth when it comes to fall like it's uh it's less of an outside warmth and more of like an inside warmth like a like the food that you eat has a warmer taste to it. I don't mean by heat. I mean right. by like flavoring. Like cinnamon is a warm flavor. Right. Like right. like cinnamon becomes a huge flavor and nutmeg and pumpkin spice becomes all huge flavors in fall. And those are all warm flavors. Right. And just like the feeling that you get when like when it's fall and you enter a house and it has the different kind of fall smells and warmth to it, I really like. Right. And there there is something about like getting to wear a sweater yes you know i love layers yeah yeah keeps you cozy interesting okay so um you're from southern california though where i wouldn't exactly describe it as ever getting cold no really yeah no there there, there are two seasons where i'm from there is summer and fire Mm -hmm. those are our two seasons um summer is basically from i believe it's march to october and then october to march to february is basically our fire season um our winter and our fall and spring get replaced with fire season because we get these things called santa Ana winds that come through that come really come roaring through and so after the summer when everything's dead um the winds kind of spark up flames because once a spark gets started and a flame gets out there the wind just pushes it super far and super fast. So you'll normally see parts of California on fire during our fall and spring. Interesting. Okay, so, um, yeah, so so growing up then, I'm I'm curious, um, when was, and I, I, I know that it snows down there, but do you have a memory you mentioned before about how snow is your favorite weather? Do you have a memory? Of, of that first snowfall that, that you really experienced? I would say the first snowfall I experienced was probably when I was around like, in our bet- it was somewhere when I was between six to 10. I can't remember the exact age, but there is a mountain close by called Big Bear, okay. where people go to Big Bear quite frequently, whether it's to do things like snowboard, ski, just lodge there for the weekend. Some people have like winter homes up there. So... Um, you ever hear of Arrowhead water? No. No. Uh, they go by, it goes by different names in all parts of the country. Uh, I believe. Actually, I may have seen it. It's bottled water. Yeah. It's bottled water. Okay. Um, I might have I think in more central states, it's called Eldorado water, I believe. Um, but so, uh, Lake Arrowhead is, is a lake up in Big Bear. And so most people know that, but, um, and so if it, snows there and so i got to go there quite a few times and that was probably some of my first experiences with snow was getting to do like some like little snow activities up there was a lot of fun okay and uh and what what did you do what kind of snow activities did you i mean you know just like like normal like snow like like make snow angels i never it wasn't really good like packing snow so you can't really like make like a snowman but um i can't remember what these are called but they're like uh you know like body boards for like in the water so, oh, it's, imagine that, but just for, like, the snow. Okay. I, we had those, and I can't remember what, the, what it's called right now. People call them different things. In Canada, we usually call them toboggans or sleds. Yeah. Um, crazy carpets. 
It was pro- yeah, it was something closer to that. Yeah, they're yeah. They're super thin, like foam things. Oh, okay, yeah, I yeah, I know like exactly the model that you're talking about, probably. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so we had that and did that. Um, when I was younger, I, me and my brothers would go and like explore like different areas. Like when we would go camping, we'd always go climbing around all the different rock formations up there. And so we would do that up in Big Bear as well. It was a lot of fun. Did you feel like growing up that you spent a lot of time outside? Like, was that like a regular family thing? Uh, I would say I spent a lot of time outside up until I was probably around like 11. Okay. Um, so like, pri- like, uh, like when I was younger me and my brothers had a lot of neighborhood friends that we'd go out and spend a lot of time outside playing uh just riding bikes around i actually had um uh i had these things growing up um called power risers i don't know if you've ever heard of them before or not i don't think so uh you ever seen the movie avatar uh not the last airbender okay yeah 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 <laughs> the, the james cameron movie well i've seen so, both i'm sorry <laughs> So um, in the movie Avatar, when they filmed um, their actors as the blue men, as the blue aliens, they had to use these jumping stilts in order to film them. And so that's what I had growing up was these power rising jumping stilts. And so I spent a lot of time using them growing up and they're super fun. If everyone, if anyone has ever wondered about getting themselves jumping stilts, I highly recommend it. So much fun. Explain a little bit to me, like what made them so fun? Uh, So what, so like, Part of it is balancing. It's a really big balance thing because they're curved at the bottom. Right. So you can't stand still. You have to be moving. Right. Um, and they and they do jump. They, they are spring-loaded, so you are jumping up and down on them. So it's just a lot of fun. You walk around. You can run. You can jump. You can do tricks. That is very cool. Hey, future Alex here. Interjecting to mention that My Wax Museum is part of a larger network of shows called The Creative Grapevine. Now, we're produced by Mecco Radio, and on MeccoRadio.com you can find a ton of great shows, including The Old Goal of Truth. Now, next week is Canadian Thanksgiving, and for Canadian Thanksgiving, my brother Bryce and I, who host The Old Goal of Truth are joined by two of our sisters. It's a fantastic conversation. We're going to be talking all about things that we're grateful for, great memories that we have, and hopefully bring a little bit of light to your ears. Now, you can find The Old Goal of Truth wherever you listen to your podcasts or on mecoradio.com. Bryce and I will also very soon be starting our third season where we'll be studying Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Now, back to the show. Um, okay, so then, then going forward, um, what, what took you to Denver? Tell us about that. So uh, I ended up going to Denver for, my, for a mission that I did for my church. It was a two-year voluntary mission, and I was assigned to Denver. I didn't choose. They just told me, okay, you're going to Denver. Uh, and being in Denver, I was probably one of the most fulfilling times of my life. I, I loved it. I loved the, the state of Denver. I love, sorry, the state of Colorado. <laughs> uh, some, sometimes people kind of forget that when you're in Denver, they forget that Denver is in Colorado. <laughs> but, um, there was something that was strange that I noticed in Colorado that I never had in California. And that was the fact that the people of Colorado have very strong state pride. At any given moment, the people in Colorado have at least one Colorado-related item on them. Where if it's either like a picture of their state flag or something about Denver, somewhere on them or on their car. 
Did you adopt any of that Denver or Colorado pride? Oh, absolutely. Abs. <laughs> Once you're around it 24-7 for two years, you kind of end up uh, adopting it. Um, so, like, I've got, like, a Colorado sticker on my car. I've got some Colorado shirts. I've got a flag hanging up in my room. Um, I've got a couple of other things that are inside my room that I have stickers. I just never haven't put anything on them yet. Um, one really big thing that they're into there is being a Colorado native. That is like their, uh, that is like their honor. It's like born and raised. Yeah. Cause uh, Colorado recently has had like the past couple of years since they legalized marijuana has had a huge influx of people moving there. Um, I remember I was talking to um, a buddy of mine in Colorado where he said that he was thinking of selling his house and moving to another state like Nebraska or something. He said that when he bought his house, he bought it for like uh, like 300000 or something like that. And now he could sell it for almost 900 Wow. Yeah. And he was like, he was like, at this point, I might as well. <laughs> I was like, I don't blame you. That's a, your house tripled in value. <laughs> yeah. Why not make a little bit of cash? So what is, what is it about Colorado that, that you love so much? Well, one, it actually is a lot of that state pride. I love being around people who are proud to be where they're from or they're or proud of their heritage. I think that's a very important um, facet to human life is being proud of whether it, whether if it's your heritage, where you're from, where you're living. I think having at least one of those things, if not all three of those things, is very important to having a character built. So that's something that I really appreciate about those people is that they are all very proud to be living in Colorado. And that's what I love about it. Um, other things is I definitely love the nature and having the mountains so close because I like going to mountains. I like um, having winter. Um, one thing I do wish was better in Colorado is that I wish the, the snow stuck longer because it'll snow on Monday and the snow will be gone on Friday. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that I do wish was a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and did it like when you moved to Colorado, had you, um, cause obviously they get significantly more snow though oh, yeah. than Southern California. So was that like a nice thing? So when I was a, a missionary, uh, one of our rules is that we have to be constantly busy 24 seven all day. Uh, and so whenever I would see that it would be snowing or that it would drop below like 20 degrees, I would look to my buddy who I was um, companions with and I would tell him, okay, block out your day. We're going out and being outside all day. <laughs> Cause, and, they, and they hated me for it every time because they're like, no, it's cold. I'm like, I don't care. We're going outside in the cold. Yeah, yeah. That was just my favorite thing. I like, I like when it drops below 30 degrees. That's my preferred temperature outside. Huh. Which, I mean, I appreciate because then the apartment's not always cooking um, in here. Um, so then I guess... Um, kind of move moving forward um after you were done in colorado uh how long ago was that for you uh i got back to southern california on august 17th of 2018 okay okay so at time of recording just about two years ago yeah okay so then after that what was next so when i got back home uh i got home on august 17th school started august 20th i had 16 credits and i started my part-time job on the 22nd so within six days i had a full schedule without any breathing room uh, which was both kind of nice and kind of sucked because as a missionary i always had a full schedule with no breathing room 
And most of most often when people come back, they usually take like a month or two to just relax, try and get back into the motion of things. But I was just right back into life. Hmm. And did that did that help with your adjustment home? Uh, I think yes and no. Like I never really got downtime, which I kind of regretted later on because I never had downtime after that. And that was one thing I really wish I had gotten at some point. But I definitely think it was better that I kept busy than just stopping and coming home and just not doing anything for a little while. Yeah, that makes sense. So um, when you when you started college, uh, what were you studying? What were you going into? So I am currently majoring in biology. Um, what I am wanting to go into from there is actually more specifically like microbiology with um, stem cells and uh, CRISPR technology. Okay, cool. So I'm wanting to go into genetic engineering. Um, cool. Yes. So that is what my current major is, and I'm wanting to do research and development with stem cells. Interesting. So, okay, what, uh, what got you interested in that? Uh, I remember first hearing about stem cells and uh, genetic engineering when I was, I believe, a freshman in high school. Okay. Uh, and when I was hearing about all the different technologies and advancements that were being made in there, I just that's when it really intrigued me. Mm-hmm. And as I've continued to learn more, the more I've realized that that is the direction that our current science and medicine is going towards. It's going a lot more into stem cells, going a lot more into genetic engineering. Uh, I don't know if you heard or not, but in... I believe the fall of 2018, I believe, yeah, it was the fall of 2018, uh, the first genetically modified children were born in China. Really? Yes, but it was a a huge debacle because it was highly illegal. Interesting. Yeah, we're definitely at a very, very strange time um, with all of that. And I actually, I was listening to a podcast this morning talking about um telomeres and like how how we uh how our cells replicate and stuff and how that eventually breaks down so i'm curious what going into it um what do you hope to accomplish um well i would say like i don't really have like any like goals for like once for once my career gets started like right now my main goal is to just get into my career and then from there, um, just continuing finding a career path that I want to be following. Um, I definitely say that I'd more so want to be on the front end of research and development of stem cells uh, because there are so many applications to it. I've talked with people where they have used stem cells to rebuild bone um, inside them, like completely regrow missing bone that wasn't there. And so that's kind of more so the the way that I want to go. I want to find new ways. Like if there is ways to be able to completely have um, cell regeneration for things such as regrowing an arm, complete limb regrowth is something that I find very interesting. That would be really interesting. So a little bit more of the application side of things, like how can this be used to help people? I'm, I'm curious then what what the path to get there looks like. Like, what are your, what are your plans to um, get those degrees and get the education that you need? The path looks like 12 years of school, if not more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. So, um, so right now I'm here um, with, at college uh, just getting the beginnings out of the way. Um, so once when I am able to 
get that done. There are other graduate schools from there that I'd be moving on to. Um, I've looked into a couple of different like graduate programs saying like, okay, once I get done with like my bachelor's and master's degrees, what is then like doctorate school going to be looking like? And some of the programs I've seen around in the country are pretty insane about what they offer and what they need you to be doing for your, for the, uh, doctorate degree for my form of, uh, science I'm majoring in. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's definitely going to be a pretty long path. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that like wh when you were a kid, did you think that you'd be spending all this time in school? Uh, as a kid, yes. Um, I've always had thoughts of going to college. Um, and cause ever since I was little, I've always been more inclined when it came to, um, science, mathematics, stuff like that. Um, as I've gotten older, clearly things change, <laughs> math changes, science changes, everything's changes. And so, um, it's, but there are definitely some skills that I definitely still have, um, being able to naturally understand and learn things at a quicker pace is something that I've always had. Um, one thing that I don't do as well in the classroom setting just because I don't do well with um, vocalized instruction. Okay. I do far better when I am able to read instruction. If I can read instruction, then I understand it. If it's spoken to me, it, I don't do so good. Yeah, I am the complete opposite. <laughs> I need to hear it in my ears. Maybe that's why I do so much podcasting. Um, that is interesting. Okay, so um, do you feel like I guess, what's your perspective on on the goal? Do you feel like it's it's going to be challenging? Do you feel like there are harder things in life? Um, what's your what's your kind of vision of that? I definitely think it's going to be challenging. Um, I definitely think there are things that are harder in life. Um, but the way that I view life is that no matter what pathway you choose, it's going to be a hard path. It's just going to be hard in different aspects. Uh, for instance, if you became a world champion, um, like UFC fighter, you aren't going to have as much mental challenge, but physically you're going to be far more challenged. If you went down a path of acting, you're not going to be as very much, uh, meant, maybe not as much studiously um, challenged, but you're going to be far more talently challenged. You're going to be you're still going to be very physically challenged as well because there's plenty of physical aspects that goes into acting, right. but there's a lot more um, a expression. Of, yeah. It's more of an expressioned um, challenge. Right. So I believe every facet of life, whether no matter which route you're going, you're going to be challenged, especially if you want to make it into a career. It's going to become even worse. But I don't believe that there is any one way where you're going to be like, oh, no, it's just going to be super easy. Okay, so I'm curious then. What do you think will be... And obviously, you have a lot of life left to live. Um, but what do you think would be the most challenging thing uh, that you'll ever do? Uh, I think the most challenging thing that I will ever will that I will ever do will probably be raising a family. Um, I think that when it comes down to it, um, that parenthood and other um, other I can't think of the word for it. Um, other facts like that are a lot more challenging than people may make it seem or sound uh, because no matter how you look at it, how a child is comes into the world and how they become an adult, how they are acting is almost a direct representation of who their parents were, how they were raised, how they were expected to act. 
Um, I think uh, when people, there are definitely plenty of exceptions where people completely changed who they were, no matter what their parents did. I think there's plenty of exceptions to that. I believe I am even one of them. But um, I think that parenting is probably one of the most challenging life choices that you can make. Yeah, I, I imagine it would be. Um, and what is it then that that makes you want to do that then, to take on that challenge? Um, I would say that that is something that I've always wanted. Um, even when I was younger, I've always wanted my own family. Um, and even as I've gone through like my own struggles with my own family is when I've come more realized that, hey, uh, there needs to be... Um, there is, but there's more to this life than this, that there is more than just a career. There's more than just, um, school. There's more than just work. There's a, f- I find that having a family is, is more rewarding. I've had like different instances where I've had small, in- where I've had small aspects of that. Um, and it's definitely some of the, been some of the most rewarding time is when I've had instances where I've been like parenting. And so, I guess, looking towards the, the rest of your life some more, um, do you have any, any huge dreams or goals, as ridiculous as you want, um, that you'd like to accomplish? Uh, I can't say that there's anything, like, too specific that I could ever think of that would be where I would... Like, obviously, like, everyone, like, wants to be remembered in history, I think that that is an aspect to everybody's life. They want to do something that will make them a rememberable person in, in history books. Um, and that is definitely something that I would like to have and, and achieve in my career is to find, is to accomplish something that would be so noteworthy of that it could be changing to science. But um, I also understand that how rare for something like that is and how difficult it is to even get something like that. Um, so that would be the only thing that I could think of that would be, um, uh, outlandish that I would want to have is to have some form of accomplishment in the science field that would be so notable to be down in history books and taught about. That would be super cool. Um, and so I guess then, uh, when you're at the very end of your life and you're looking back on it, on everything that you've done, everything that you've accomplished. Hopefully your book is written in several textbooks and, uh, and you're well known for something. Um, hopefully something good. Um, and when you're looking back at all of it, um, what are the things that you're most proud of and what are you most satisfied with? If I'm just looking at my life for right now, like looking back what I'm the most satisfied with, is right now looking back I would be the most satisfied with how I am currently living my life um about how I've changed myself and about how I've led myself into a new direction um I I'm in many aspects the the black sheep of my family um I'm going I'm the only one out of my siblings who's going to college I'm the I was the only one to have done a a, a missionary service for my church I'm the only one who kind of goes down these kind of paths in my life. And so just comparison of me to my siblings kind of makes me stand out quite a bit because there's a stark contrast between us. And that is something that I'm very proud of that I am not allowing like 
what has been my and my brother's ch- ch- uh, childhood and past experiences to define me that I'm making myself my own person. I think that's awesome. Um, and I, I look forward to at least being roommates with you for a little while longer. I, I, I graduate in a year, so at the most a year longer. Um, but this has been an awesome conversation. I just want to say thanks for taking the time to sit down. Absolutely. Thanks for having me here. And thank you for listening. Not just to this show, which we certainly do appreciate, but more to the people around you, the people in your life that you just happen to know. Take some time, just five minutes, to listen intently to the people around you. Mecco.